Twin Cities Orthopedics is proud to be the official sports medicine provider for Tommy Athletics. TCO is trusted by some of the biggest names in sports, and they bring that same level of care to our athletes. Thank you, TCO, for being a part of our team. Visit TCOMN.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Tommy Talks, the weekly podcast bringing you inside St. Thomas Athletics, where we'll get to know those who wear the purple and gray. I'm Corbu Status, and this week our guest is Glenn Caruso, head football coach for St. Thomas. Take a look at the past, the present, and the future of his career and the Tommy football team. Now, here's our conversation with Glenn Caruso on another edition of Tommy Talks. Coach, as we release this podcast uh, just over a week away from starting year three at the Division One level, and I want to talk to you about that, but I want to go back in time, if we can, a little bit in your football journey. Graduated from Ithaca College. Right. What made you decide you wanted to do coaching? I didn't. My dad was the one that pushed me in that direction. I was going to go to law school. Uh, he was a lawyer. He raised a bunch of kids really well, in my opinion, and I just want to do whatever he did. So uh, my senior year, <clears throat> I was getting ready to go to law school, and after my last game, he, you know, that night, he uh, sat down and talked, and he said, look, your, your passion is different than mine. Mine is law, and I get out of bed at 6 o'clock every morning, and I can, I can live my pride and live my passion through the law. I said, you, you're in love with different cultures and building people and um, you know, human growth. He said, you, you just, you've always loved to take something that uh, doesn't look like much and, and build it. Always have since I was probably four or five years old. And he said, you got to get as far away from here as you possibly can and go figure out who you want to be. This place will always be here. So if you line up all the towns in the U.S. on a continuum, the opposite of Greenwich, Connecticut is Fargo, North Dakota. And that's where my 88 Volkswagen Golf ended up with all my stuff in it. <laughs> met Rachel there, spent seven years in NDSU, loved it, met some really awesome people, got to coach some tremendous guys and realized that um, there's a lot of great places in this country, but coaching upper Midwest kids in terms of football anyway is a pretty good deal. And then... Uh, you know, that was 27 years ago this, yeah. this fall, 26 years ago this fall. So still doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and doing it well, I might add. But what point did you know it's time for me to become a head coach? Um, great question. Not many people ask that. I think when we took the job at South Dakota after North Dakota State, uh, I loved the relationship. I was the offensive coordinator at those schools. I loved the relationship that I had with those guys. But... Um, I just wanted to test. I had my own beliefs and my own thoughts, and I feel very strongly that the way I think is a good way to run a program and raise kids, and I'm not going to change that, at least not in my lifetime. So I wanted to put those to the test, and that's when my wife and I uh, had our first kid, Anna, who it's cute because now she's on the sideline with me and we're working together. Um, but that night holding her, I said, okay, we're going to pick a place where – you know, I'm not saying we're going to be, we didn't say at that time we were going to be somewhere for 20 years, but we right. wanted to be able to at least put down some roots and, and have a spot where we could feel good about raising them and, and uh, put a bunch of circles on the map that night. We used an old placemat. I asked the nurse, Joan, if they have a map of the U.S. She said, the only one I have is a kitty placemat. I said, we'll take it. <laughs> so in Cran on a kitty placemat, we ended up drawing a whole bunch of circles about places we wanted to live. And first job was down the road at McAllister, blessed and honored uh, that uh, Travis Fizell, who was the athletic director there, saw it fit for me to, to be the head coach and was able to, I, I knew it wasn't going to be my last job, right? but I also knew if I wanted to be a good head coach that I had to go somewhere where I could cut my teeth in a place where, much like when I was four years old building toys, I wanted to build something from nothing. 
And those types of things always appeal to me. Um, and that's when I think I told you the story last year of when I walked on this campus, when I used to recruit here and I walked through and there used to be a little breezeway. It's now gone. You know, I look out, we're sitting in the, in the recruiting room on the third floor overlooking the football stadium. And if you look around besides the football field, there's not much else that you can see that was here 16 years ago, Right. you know, whether it's the building we're in, whether it's the, uh, student center, so many, so many things have been being built. And there used to be a little causeway down there, and I parked right over here, just a uh, hundred yards south of the football field. There used to be a parking lot over there. And then I went through this all glass breezeway, and I walked in, and the sun was shining through the clouds, and the, the bells were chiming. And it was just kind of one of the moments where, you know, things slow down, and yeah. you say, man, how in the heck is this place two and eight? Like it just, it's, it, you, it, it was unfathomable. And you look around and you say, my goodness, they have so many beautiful qualities about the school. And that's when we made the decision that we wanted to make the biggest push we could. Uh, shoot, I was probably 30, I don't know, 32 years old uh, to be the next head coach. And that's what happened. That was a long time ago, Corbu. 2008, is that right? 2007 is when that happened. Yeah, yeah I got hired in 2000. January 27th of 2008. Yeah. And you've been here since, and you've seen a lot here since then. Is there an accomplishment that you're most proud of in your time at St. Thomas? Uh, being able to retain and grow culture. And I know mm. it's not one that you say, well, that's a game or that's an acute season or something like that. It's just the, the older I am and look, I'm not going to do this forever. I'm 49 years old and um, you've seen more than a quarter century of football around college, especially in the upper Midwest, and you realize how unique it is to be able to be at a place for so long, in our sport anyway, and now to be able to see the guys come back with their wives and yeah. their kids to the game and experience a similar culture. Certainly it's grown, but the core principles of what we play with today at the Division One level and we seem to be doing pretty decent with it, are the same exact core principles that we put in place in our first team meeting way back in February 2008, and that hasn't changed. I think if you think about an overall accomplishment, staying at one place for that long of a time and being able to connect generations of alumni, and yeah. really that was the one thing that had been eluding St. Thomas for a long time, was they had, I mean, you look through the, the list of coaches, they had some... You know, uh, uh, Pee Wee, who's in the Hall of Fame. You had Mark Deanhart. Uh, you had Mal Scanlon. You had, I mean, you just had some great football coaches along the years, um, but none of them stuck around very long and for various reasons. And so that's been uh, something that I hope that we've been able to give back to the University of St. Thomas. How have you kept that culture with such a big move from the Division three level to the Division one level? And, and when the stakes get higher, if you will, sometimes mm -hmm. that changes things for people, for whoever, people around the program. It seems like you've been able to keep the culture the same. Yeah, and I think you're, you're right. It, it can change things if you allow it to. And for some people, um, you know, that, look, that's their own choice. All I know is... Uh, I like the way we do things. I love our kids. I love the thoughtfulness and the selflessness that our kids display to their brothers every single day, the sacrifice. 
I mean, the unrelenting sacrifice that these kids make for this university is something that is truly going to be a feather in their cap when it comes to being a good father and husband. And um, honestly, it brings me to tears at times, and I'm just so grateful. Year three of the transition, uh, where do you feel like you are as the transition has gone on? Do you feel you're right back to where you were at the D3 level, still learning? Back growing? to square one. Every yeah. year, Corbu, I just feel like we go back to square one. And I think that's a... Um, I think that is a, a sign of, I don't like the word confidence, but it's a sign of belief in what you do. So if you look at the golden circle, that would say every culture that's ever been, whether it's the Ming Dynasty, the Roman Empire, the University of St. Thomas football team, the Caruso family, whatever it is, right? Every business, um, it, it travels along a similar ring, which starts with faith and um, freedom, liberty, abundance, but if you're not careful, that abundance turns into complacency and then eventually apathy and, and mm -hmm. into a bad spot. And one of the things that I love about our guys is even though we've been <clears throat> blessed beyond what we deserve to have more than our fair share of successes and they get to that spot of abundance, they don't try and stay there. They understand that every year is new and we got to go all the way back to building our faith so we can have those other things. And uh, it's, it's tough to do because human nature would tell us when we get to a place that feels comfortable that we want to hold on to it. Right. And holding on precludes growth and even worse can send you into some of the deepest and darkest depths. And, and so right now we're really back at, we're not a square one, but if there's a hundred steps, we're probably at step 19 today and, and yeah. just looking forward to the journey this year. So the journey starts in just about a week. How are you feeling about where you guys are as you come on to the start of this season? Uh, same, same as I always, uh, I guess, would be nervous, mm -hmm. um, excited. I think those two go hand in hand. Um, I would I would stop shy of saying anxious. I'm not anxious about it, but the excitement and the nervousness are really the same thing. And I think it's it's that freshness of a new challenge. I mean, every when we were in that that little two room hospital in Vermilion, South Dakota, drawing circles on a kid's menu map, whatever it is, um, we were looking for just the biggest challenge we could find. That's always what we've seemed to gravitate to. And, you know, I think we were able to find that, uh, certainly with our first job, we found that at the beginning here and to be able to stay at a similar place. And now 13, 14 years into your tenure, you are able to have the same team, live in the same house, drive the same place to work, work at the same school, but have this massive challenge descent upon you. Right. Uh, that's, I mean, that's as cool as it gets. And I just think that, you know, this, we talked, you and I have talked offline and I think this transition is, is really, we've done it before at two different schools. I think it's a three phase transition. I really do. I feel strongly about that. And we're not even halfway through phase one yet. I mean, phase one is a, is a five and a half year phase. And <laughs> there's two more after that that are about the same length. So it's, we're still very much at the beginning. I'm just grateful and blessed that our kids work as tirelessly as they do because that's the only way you're going to survive with a jump like that yeah not only have they survived they have thrived uh, two years in the only teams you haven't beaten in the pioneer football league are the two teams that you haven't played yet that's pretty impressive coach i, I, I didn't think about that you, you're absolutely right yeah um yeah 
that's unique. It is unique, and, and I think it's a great accomplishment. I think it says a ton about the culture, but also the players. But now those players, you also have three years of Division One recruiting depth. How has that helped as you continue on this season? Well, it's moving in the right direction. I, I you know, there are guys that we started with in 2021 that are still on this team mm-hmm. that are lower on the depth chart, right? And uh, you know, competitive waters run deep, and that's. I, I'm never, ever, ever going to stop recruiting the right types of people because competition makes everyone better. I mean, it's not even just your football team that it makes better. Competition makes your department better. It makes your school better. Um, and I think at a day and an age, all the more devoted to style over substance, sometimes people don't realize that we should be praying for competition um, mm-hmm. to be increased. And uh, that's exactly what, what those three classes have done uh, successively. But um, I, I just think it's part of the process. I mean, I know that's trite, but but it truly is. And we'll look back on some of our best classes that we've already had that you're alluding to in the last three years. And some, <clears throat> some of those guys will be uh, beat out on the field, right? But everybody can get the benefit of the culture of the program in terms of how they live their life. And that's, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That, that's what my dad was telling me to go find back in 1997. He says, yeah. sweetheart, go find that. And uh, he used to call everybody sweetheart. I love it. And that's what, that's what we're finding here. All right, at the risk of uh, maybe focusing on style more than substance, I'm going to single out a few players. Uh, Andrew McElroy, offensively. Uh, what does he mean to the team and to the program? And, and he's one of those guys where you look at him and he doesn't jump off the page necessarily, but man, he just gets it done. Yeah, and I would actually disagree that you're not talking about style or uh, substance over style because he is everything about him is, is substance. Mm-hmm. And what you see on Saturday afternoons between one and four is pretty, and I love to coach it, and it's awesome. But that's the exact type of kid, the type of kid who if your best players can also be your hardest workers, your best leaders, and on top of that, the type of guy that as a father, you can say, I would be blessed beyond what I deserve if my daughter came home with this young man knocking on the front door. And that, that's, I could say that about a hundred of our kids. Yeah. And uh, Andrew just typifies the type of kid, really, really good football player, even better man and, and person, uh, but a great teammate. I mean, he's the first one who's trying to reach down and help the young guys, the new guys in this program. I mean, just walking off the field today, I see him walking off with uh, a freshman quarterback and his family. Now, he has other friend groups, I'm sure, in the locker room that he's going to go out to Chipotle with in the next half hour because they have four hours off, so that's all where they go there, Chick-fil-A, right? Right. But he took the time to look at someone who, you know, he has empathy. Um, he has care and trust me, I wouldn't want to run across him between one and four on Saturdays when the game is on because he does it now. He does it the right way. He plays it the way the game is intended to be played. But once he steps outside the white lines, he's a, he's a beautiful human and really good football player. There's no doubt. There's a lot of really good football players, but I'm just really excited that they're even better people. Jonathan Bunce is another one of those guys I wouldn't want to come across between one and four. He's uh, he's pretty impressive at that linebacker spot. Yeah, I don't even think the, some of the words I would use to describe him in a beautiful way, I don't even think I could say on air because you'd have to believe. <laughs> I mean, he, his, when my dad was trying to explain to me in 1983 what football is, and he knocked me down for 45 minutes in our backyard, and we sat on the back stoop, and with tears streaking down his beefy and battered cheeks, he says, 
The beauty about football, sweetheart, is that on the field, you need to be a vicious warrior. He said, off the field, it needs to be pleases and thank yous and mm-hmm. holding doors for ladies and picking up trash around campus. He said, the beauty is those two worlds never can meet because if you are like I expect you to be off the field, on the field, you're not going to do well. And if you are like I expect you to be off the field, not, you know. Yeah. And uh, John Bunch just typifies that. I mean, you're right. He is uh, vicious and urgent and explosive and tough and all those things. And he's one of our best faith leaders on the team. Uh, he, he, he's a, a true believer in the Lord. And he just got engaged uh, just about a month and a half ago. That's to, awesome. To an amazing young lady. And, and those, if you say, what is, what's the opus of this program? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Seeing these guys being able to go off and, and hopefully lead their families the way they lead their team. All right. So there's some questions about you, Glenn Caruso, off the field. Because if I remember correctly, and I, I know you will correct me if I am wrong, you're not necessarily a sports fan. So like when you're away from the field, it's not necessarily sports on the TV. There's other things going on. In yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest competition junkie you've ever met in your life. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, it's intense, but not necessarily sports, just uh, competition and, and uh, winning and stuff like that. But, you know, my wife, Rachel, is probably more the sports fan. I mean, she can tell you what the Twins rotation is without a doubt. And sometimes when I'm done with a 12-hour day on Sunday in, in the season, I go home and all I want to do is, you know, cook dinner and and, uh, and have a pop and that's about it. And she's in the other room, the living room, yelling at the TV because the Vikings are, <laughs> right. something's going on with them. So it's kind of role, role reversal. I, yeah. I do love sports, but I love human nature. I love sociology. I love psychology more than I love sports. That is true. So on that same theme, favorite book, author, do you have one? Well, the Bible's my favorite book. Besides the Bible, um, yes, Malcolm Gladwell is my favorite author. I got a massive man crush on him, like mm-hmm. huge. And Outliers is, I mean, if, if there's so many really good ones, um, a legacy is certainly good. I'm a big fan of the Stoics. So uh, Epictetus, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, Alexander the Great. Um, I, I love the writings, the ancient writings of the Stoics from 2,100 years ago. But uh, if it's nowadays, I, you can't go wrong with Malcolm Gladwell. I just, I think he, he is brilliant. He has common sense and he doesn't take himself so seriously. And I love that combination about him. And uh, he can explain to regular people that aren't that bright, like you or I, uh, or at least me. Um, You're probably not Probably wrong. you too, honestly. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's call it what it is, right? I mean, we're probably slightly above average if we got if we yeah. got a standardized test, right? I'll take that. And um, he can explain how and why humans act. Um, he has tremendous empathy and... Um, and understands the human condition, and I just love that. So outliers yeah. mine. How about yours? What's your favorite? Let me turn this question on its ear. Yeah, well, I'm more of a fiction guy, but I do love Malcolm Gladwell. It's accessible. That's what I like about it. It's accessible knowledge where you don't you can read it and it sinks in, and you don't have to put the book down and think I didn't really understand what he means, and therefore I feel dumb. Right? Like you can yes. uh, dig into it. You feel a little bit smarter after reading it, and it's. It, I think it helps 
change your worldview in a positive way. Awesome. Yeah, I like those. But I, I also like to just escape with some fiction. Just you know, give me some fiction. I've never read a fiction book. Really? N- now I'm not. Yeah. It's not. It's like you know, not the highest bar. I haven't yeah. read a million books or anything like that. But I've never actually read a fiction book. And uh, a, a great Tommy, um, God bless his soul, Vince Flynn, and yeah. I would consider him one of very few friends. And you know, I don't have a lot of friends by design. And he used to write these novels and he would, yeah. he would say, Hey, I got a new book coming out and here it is. I want you to read it. And I said, ah, I, lo- I love you, sweetheart, but I don't read fiction. He goes, yeah. who's to say it's fiction. I said, oh. <laughs> so I got, but he's, he's one of the many great Tommies and yeah. uh, God rest his soul. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Favorite, uh, favorite food. Steak. Rare, medium rare. Rare. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if I can, if my dad was living, which he's not, uh, the answer would be eggplant parmesan, but only the way my dad made it, oh, and yeah. uh, and that's it. Since his death, uh, steak, give me a good porterhouse, cooked rare, um, three minutes on one side, two on the other, and uh, that'll do it for me. Yeah, nice and simple. Um, favorite movie? I guess, do you, are you a movie guy? If you don't read fiction, you might not like movies. Yeah, I mean, the movies I like are weird, right? So no, one, no one's going to know the movies, like... Um, uh, for sentimental sake, it's Bambi because that's yeah. the first movie I can remember watching with my dad. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Field of Dreams was the last. Mm. So those two for sentimental reasons, not necessarily for the movie itself. Um, <clears throat> if you're talking about, um, you know, curl up with a good movie on a rainy day, it's yeah. Under the Tuscan Sun. I know yeah. it. you're like, you know, <laughs> rom-coms and chick flicks is yeah. that kind of stuff. But uh Probably my all-time favorite is, is a movie called Beautiful Girls, and it's about a guy from uh, New England that left for the big city, and he goes back home for his 10-year reunion. It was actually filmed in Stillwater. Part of it was filmed in, in Stillwater, and it's got, some, it's got an unbelievable cast in it, and it's not a really popular movie made in 1996, 1997, but it was just at that time where... Uh, a lot of my friends were still at home, uh, kind of doing the same things at the same places. And I was in the middle of nowhere trying to strike out and be myself. And, yeah. and it, it resonated with me. And uh, if we're going to sit down, it's just going to be me and Anna Marie, then we're watching Pitch Perfect too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are you, can you sing at all? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I can. It's horrible. Right. I mean, you listen it's to not my Pitch bike. Perfect. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it is. What's it mean to you to have Anna on the sidelines? Yeah, everything. It's... Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that would drastically change the course of anything my wife and I do is our family. That's it. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening that remember uh, six years ago, it almost did. And it might still again someday, right, but with, with Rachel's uh, cancer diagnosis. And um, I think that just really allowed us to uh, reaffirm that everything we will do is to put our... Um, my, for my wife and I are each other and our kids first. And so I really love the program. You know, as we recruit, I had a, a parent that after our, our visit started tearing up and she said, I just can't believe <clears throat> that you've built a program like this for my son. And I said, you know, no offense, but I said, I didn't build this program for your son. I built this program for my sons and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And to be able to experience that with her, because it's, it's an educational process, right? It's uh, the education these kids get with the hours they spend with each other on the field is what's going to serve them well. So to be able to do that alongside someone who I literally trust more than anybody in the world, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, her and, and my, I mean, those four, I trust them more than anybody with everything. And uh, it's pretty special. And she's like wicked good with what she does for me. And I'm not going to define exactly what it is because I think it's a massive winning edge and I don't want anyone else to know exactly what it is. But the way she's able to give me the information I need um, to recalculate what we need to during a game is, is great. And it goes back to, you know, she's double major in here yeah. in um, data analytics and psychology. And it just goes back to, that's what my dad said. My dad said, I don't care what you want to do. You got to understand people. You got to understand odds. You got to be able to do simple math quickly and do it better than anybody else and do it more often than anybody else yeah. and understand people, right? And that's what she's, she's studying. Favorite album or band? Oh, my gosh. This could be a tough one because I, I travel between music genres, you know? Depends on where I'm at. I mean, I'm so weird when it comes to, I, I, if it's a concert, you cannot beat. Jimmy Buffett, circa 1986, Lake Compounds, back east. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jimmy Buffett. Um, but I think favorite of all time is probably, if you said, hey, you got to go to a desert island and only listen to one disc, it's probably going to be Alabama's greatest hits. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, best place on campus. We'll wrap up with this one. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you my favorite place because that's where I go to get away from everybody. So I'm going to keep that one secret and you can't find me there. No one ever does. So, but second favorite then, well, you know, cause uh, now you've just, you now you, you've instigated me to try and find you coach. Yeah. And that's, that's, I don't tell anybody what my, but, um, I absolutely love our football field, but even more so than, than the field because of the memories it holds. I, I think, you know, when my ashes are going to be spread, uh, that is one place that they're going to be spread. And if there was a second place, it probably would be in our locker room because our locker room is where our team is built. Mm -hmm. uh, the field is where you guys all get to see what we do, but it's always the locker room that builds our team. And that's a pretty amazing place in my opinion. Pretty sacred. Coach, appreciate your time as always. Looking forward to another fun season. Thank you. We'll do our best. Enjoy the day, Corbett.